they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Bible with the Barbers. And Mary Danielle is kind of flying solo here today. Uh, of course, I got my guardian angel. Can't see him, but he's here. Um, Terry had to go do some uh, spreading the good word about Virgin Most Powerful Radio and try and get more stations to pick up our signal. So uh, we thank you all for listening and for your prayers. And um, we want to begin today. Uh, we're going to look at the readings for the day like we usually do. And, I, and of course, I'm proudly wearing my I Voted sticker. For those of you who can see me on YouTube, I voted. <laughs> so everybody get out there and vote. And more importantly, everybody get out there and pray. Pray your rosary, make an extra visit to the Blessed Sacrament. Ask the Lord to deliver our country from the culture of death and um, to help us to repent so that he can raise up leaders that will lead us in the ways of holiness and truth, not only in the church, especially in the church, but also in the secular world. So we have a reading from the Philippians today. It's Philippians 2, 5 through 11. And it's this beautiful hymn from St. Paul where he says, Have among yourselves the same attitude that is also yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness and found human in appearance. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we want to have the same attitude as Christ. And when it says here he was known human in appearance, that doesn't mean he just appeared to be human. It wasn't like the angels in the Old Testament when they take on you know, a body so that they can... Uh, interact with men and bring the message of God to men. No, this is, Jesus Christ really became man. And in that, in his humanity, he humbled himself, becoming obedient unto death. How many of us are willing to become obedient unto death? Now, that doesn't necessarily mean physical death. Death to my own ideas, death to my own preconceived notions, death to my sense of justice and how the world ought to be. Or are we going to insist that Obviously, because there's so much evil in this world, there can't be a good God, because if there were a good God, he wouldn't allow all this evil. Do we know the mind of God, or can we humble ourselves and, and humbly admit that, you know, God is God and I am not? And even though Jesus Christ was God, and he took to himself a human nature, he humbled himself to pay a debt that he didn't know, because we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. If he wasn't God, he couldn't make up for the sin that had been committed against God because every sin against God is an infinite offense. And so it had to be God who would pay the debt. And at the same time, if he didn't take on humanity, then our humanity is not redeemed. So in himself, Jesus Christ brings back together not just humanity, but all of creation that had fallen when man committed sin and brings it back to the Father and offers it to the Father. And then we have this beautiful gospel from St. Luke, a reading from the gospel according to St. Luke, Luke 14, verses 15 through 24. 
one of those at table with Jesus, said to him, Blessed is the one who will dine in the kingdom of God. He replied, A man gave a great dinner, to which he invited many. When the time for the dinner came, he dispatched his servants to say to those invited, Come, everything is now ready. But one by one, they began to excuse themselves. The first said, I have purchased a field and must go and examine it. I ask you, consider me excused. And another said, I have purchased five yoke of oxen, and am I on my way to evaluate them. I ask you, consider me excused. Another said, I have just married a woman, and therefore I cannot come. The servant went and reported this to the master. Then the master of the house, in a rage, commanded his servant, Go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in here the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. The servant reported, Sir, your orders have been carried out, and still there is room. The master then ordered the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedgegroves and make people come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited will taste my dinner. The gospel of the Lord. Whoa, gentle Jesus, right? None of those invited will taste my dinner. Who are the invited? Well, once saved, always saved, right? Is that what we believe? Interesting question, isn't it? Many were invited, and yet those invited, when it was time for them to come home to the Lord, had excuses. They were attached to the things of this world. The field I bought, the oxen I bought, oh, I just got married, I can't, I don't have time for you, Lord. Because the master represents God, and the feast that he's prepared for us is heaven. And we don't know when he's going to call us. We don't know the moment of our death. We don't know when we're going home. But we do have a home that's not in this world. We're not made for a finality in this world. We're made for union with God. We're made for something far beyond this world, far greater. Nothing in this world can compare with the reality that God has prepared for us in heaven. Union with him, perfect union, where we will know him fully and we will be fully known and he will be everything for us. And so we need to be prepared. We could lose our possibility of getting in. We might be invited and then at the end, uh, but I'm still attached to the things of this world. Nothing that's attached to the things of this world can get into heaven. Nothing imperfect or impure, it says in the book of Revelation. And that imperfect and impure means nothing that has attachment to the things of this world. So we want to be ready at every moment. We want to be ready to answer Christ's call. We want to be ready to enter into his kingdom. And that begins right here on earth by beginning to live that union with God, living moment by moment in the presence of God, doing everything out of love for God and according to his holy will, in union with his holy will. And so day by day, even our voting today, right? In the book of Romans, it says we're supposed to pray for those that God has raised up to, to rule over us. So we're supposed to be praying for our political leaders. We're supposed to pray for our country for its conversion. We're supposed to pray for the conversion of all sinners, beginning with ourselves. You know, we kind of sometimes get this idea. It's like, Lord, just, just come and kill all the bad guys. Just get rid of all the bad guys. And then, you know, and it's like, uh, really? And if I kill all the bad guys, who's going to be left? It's kind of like when God destroyed the, the world with a flood under Noah and he saved eight people in the, in the ark. And yet right away after Noah and they get off the, 
right away there's there's this problem again one of them turns against god this one of the sons of noah and and then you have you know the, the evil beginning to multiply again in the world and then when moses has taken the people out of egypt at god's command and god's leading them through the wilderness and they make the golden calf and and god says okay moses your people have turned to idolatry let me go down there and destroy them and moses was and it's not that it's not that moses is changing god's mind god is testing moses that do we realize God has a plan for all of us? And iniquity somehow doesn't destroy his plan, that he can turn that to good, and he never would allow evil except that he can turn it to good. So we want to remember these things about Holy Scripture. We want to be humble like Christ and be willing to give up our own ideas and our own preconceived notions in order to be conformed to the will of God. Now, that was our scripture, ex, uh, little exegesis there on the readings for today, God's word to us today. How do we live it in our life? And I just want to give you a brief introduction to today's topic. We are going to be talking about another encyclical letter. This one is called Humani Generis, and Humani Generis means the human race. And this particular letter was written by Pope Pius XII in 1950. And so in Humani Generis, we want to take a look at what are the issues that the Holy Father is telling us are facing the church today. Now, remember, this is written before the Second Vatican Council. This was written in 1950. And in this particular encyclical, the Holy Father is going to grapple with some questions. Um, number one, disagreements among men. Those disagreements have always existed. And what's really heart-wrenching is when they get into the church and now the people within the church are fighting with each other about what is the truth. The Holy Father's asking the question, can we know the truth? Can we trust our intellect to lead us safely in the ways of God? Can we believe the truths of divine revelation? Can God reveal himself? Is this possible? Does God have to reveal himself? Um, in Humani Generis, he deals with some specific um, scientific theories that were afloat in the 20th century. One of the big ones, of course, was evolution. How do we as Catholics and Christians approach this question? And of course, he points out, you know, some things about evolution. And again, are we supposed to doubt that our intellect can teach us the truth? Or are we supposed to know that God made the intellect? And if he made the intellect, then maybe the intellect has the possibility of discovering the truths, not only of the created world that God made, but the truths about God that he has revealed through divine revelation. So he's going to deal with these questions. He's also going to deal with questions about um, what are Catholic scholars supposed to be doing in regards to philosophy and theology, and how, is, how are we supposed to um, read the scriptures? Does the modern science that we that has been come discovered in the 20th century or the 18th century, I mean, 19th century, 20th century, does that negate the truths that have been known by the church for 20 centuries? Can, um, and we're coming up on a break here. I hear that music. Wow, this went awful fast. So you're listening to The Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or a comment, 888-526-2151 is the number you can call if you want to make a donation, 877-526-2151. We thank you for listening and for being with us. And we'll be back in just a few minutes to take a look at Humani Generis and try and understand what the church teaches.
This is Terry Barber inviting you to the upcoming Spiritual Warfare Conference, January 11th and 12th at the Sacred Heart Chapel in downtown Covina. If you go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org, you can join us with that. Or call us at 877-526-2151. Jesse Romero will be there. Father Wolfgang will be there. And our very own Matt Arnold will be there. And I'll be the MC. Don't miss out on this wonderful event, January 11th and 12th. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. We desperately need to fix the bugs so you can listen live on our app or YouTube without any glitches. Plus, meet traditional broadcast standards in order to provide our exclusive programming to Catholic radio stations around the country and around the world absolutely free of charge. As usual, we're doing it all on a shoestring budget, but we cannot do it without you. If you like what you hear on Virgin Most Powerful, I ask you to please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, thank you again for listening. And I, I have to tell you, I'm, you know, Humana Generis is a short encyclical, but in still, in one one-hour radio show, we can't get to the whole thing. So for all of those who'd like to get more of this, if you hear, when you hear this today and you want more and you're just like, well, you whetted my appetite, but I, I need to know more, well, come on down tonight. I'm going to be going over this tonight at my Bible study at 7 o'clock at the Sacred Heart Chapel here in Covina. And we're going to go into a more depth on Humana Generis because what we're doing right now is going to be a cursory look. And those questions that I mentioned before the break, we want to take a look at some of those, okay? So in the beginning of Humana Generis, and by the way, again, that the title, Humana Generis, and I may be saying that wrong. It may be generous. I'm not, my Latin isn't perfect. The human race, the first words of the encyclical in English, in, Latin, Humana Generis, is where it gets its title. And the Holy Father speaks about the fact that at the present time, the Christian culture is being attacked on all sides. And there are disagreements um, in, you know, among peoples on moral and religious issues. And of course, this causes profound sorrow among those who follow God, because we all, we all know and believe that we have one Father. God made us all, and we're all brothers and sisters, especially in Christ, who has now become human he took to himself a human nature. So we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. So we want to live as one family. We want to build the kingdom of God here on earth. And we want to cooperate with one another. But there are these divisions. And so he tells us that 
through the light of our natural reason, we can come to know that God exists. We don't need faith for that. But because of original sin and its effects, we don't always use our intellect, the gifts that God has given us, to their natural ability and to their fullness. And so divine revelation is considered necessary because without God revealing to us, there are many things we could never know to be true. And again, God is God we are not. In Revelation, God reveals things about himself that we cannot know through the light of human reason. I mean, we can know that God exists and he is good and and ordered and beautiful and the origin of order and beauty and truth, but we couldn't know that he's a trinity of persons if he hadn't revealed that. And we could especially never know that the second person of the blessed trinity, the, the son of God, the word of God became flesh and lived among us. So we know that the Catholic faith is divinely revealed and that God has given enough external signs to prove with certitude to the light of our natural reason, the origins of the Christian religion, that they are truly divine. But you know what? Man can deceive himself in his own mind, and we can also refuse grace. God has made us free. He wants us to love. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And so we have this freedom from God, and yet this freedom is a very dangerous and scary thing at times because it means that there's also the possibility that Despite all of God's best efforts, we are the ones who have to choose to say yes or no. He leaves us that freedom, and he won't take our freedom away. He wants us to freely choose him because he wants us to love him. So he talks about some of the many ideas that are afoot in the world of today. And remember, he's writing this in 1950. And he explains that um, evolution was a big novel uh, scientific theory that a lot of people embrace that despite, um, you know, despite the fact that evolution is not proved by science, you can't prove it through science, it's a theory, and it hasn't been proved through science, uh, many wanted to embrace it. And in that theory, they want to say that um, it explains the origin of all things. And as a matter of fact, explains the fact that the world is you know, what, what evolution is saying is that out of chaos came order just by itself. And then the world is constantly evolving to a more perfect state just by natural evolution. And what he's, what's interesting here is he mentions that um, the communists are gladly subscribed to this opinion so that when the souls of men have been deprived of every idea of a personal God, they may the more efficaciously defend and propagate their dialectic materialism. And so the communists use this theory of evolution and its ideas to say that, ah, you see, now we know that there's just materialism is evolving. I mean, the material world is evolving and so is man. And he doesn't really have a spiritual soul and there's no personal God. And so um, they can declare themselves God. Interesting, those who don't want to believe in a personal God, oftentimes you find them right away making themselves, <laughs> putting themselves in the position of God saying, you know, uh, we're the ones who can say what's true and what's good and what's beautiful. And if you just follow us and do what's right and good, then everything will be fine. Of course, if you don't, we're going to make life miserable for you and there will be some horrendous consequences. And it's, it's not a um, domination of, it's not a, uh, it's a domination of fear and, um, and uh, what would you say? I can't think of the other word at the moment, but it's not 
a father loving his family and bringing his family into a love relationship with himself. So it, what was interesting is in the midst of all the confusion, you had many people who had adhered to rationalism, which had rejected the idea of God being able to reveal himself and that revelation actually coming from God. These people had gone back to say, well, look, the scriptures have to be from God and we have to accept them as true. But as they did that, they also rejected the ability of the human intellect to know truth. And, and also in regards, besides, you know, they say, so the scriptures are, those are solid. That's truth. We can know that. But our human intellect, we can't quite trust. And in addition to that, we definitely can't trust the authority of the church, despite the fact that the scriptures attest to the authority of the church. Jesus sets up Peter as the head of the apostles. St. Paul writes to Timothy that the, that the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. And so God himself, Jesus Christ, set up the church. He entrusted to the church divine revelation. And those who adhere to nothing but scripture wouldn't have scripture if they didn't have the church. You realize that, and we've talked about this before on the show, that the Hebrews at the time of Jesus did not have a set canon of scripture. The different factions within the Jewish community had different beliefs about how many books of scripture were scripture. So there was no set canon. It was the Catholic Church and the bishops of the Catholic Church who determined what was the canon of scripture. So without the church, you don't even have a scripture to cling to. So now it's one thing for those outside the church to adhere to these ideas or to begin to believe these false ideas that are being purported by the world. But now we have the Catholic theologians in some instances and philosophers buying into this. And he said, no, for a Catholic theologian and philosopher, they have a grave duty to defend natural and supernatural truth and instill this love for natural and supernatural truth in the hearts of men. And they can't afford to ignore the errors that are out there. They need to know the errors. They need to be able to answer them. They need to explain to people why there are errors so that people can know the truth. This is the whole point of it. The Holy Father wants us to realize we need to know and follow the truth because the truth isn't first and foremost a written word. The truth, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So God is the truth we follow. And yes, he revealed scripture. Again, the word of God is first and foremost a person, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. But nonetheless, he reveals his word in written words, in the words of men, so that we can more fully understand. So unfortunately, yes, some Catholic teachers, serious of novelty or fearing to be considered ignorant of recent scientific findings, they try to withdraw themselves from the sacred teaching authority and are accordingly in danger of gradually departing from revealed truth and drawing others along into their error. And then there are those who fall into this idea that, well, you know, there are these divisions among Christians, so let's set aside everything in order to create unity among Christians. But can we set aside all of our differences? Are all of the doctrines of all the Christian churches compatible with what the Catholic Church teaches? We can't just set aside everything to say in the in the in the um, in order to serve unity, we're going to set aside truth. This is a grave danger. We can't just say, "I will set aside truth in order to serve unity." Truth and unity go together. We can't be united if we don't all believe the same truth. 
And I think, you know, we all know how many Protestant denominations are out there, approximately 30-some thousand Protestant denominations, because they all say that, well, our only truth is Scripture, and they all follow Scripture, but who's the authentic interpreter of Scripture? Who tells you what it actually means? How can we know that what the Scripture means? Some things are very difficult in Scripture. So we need an authority, and Christ set that up when he set up the Catholic Church. So we, don't, we can't have unity by setting aside everything that divides men, and we can't have unity by setting aside the truths that God has revealed in order to bring about some kind of a unity among men, because that's a false unity. We, our unity needs to be founded on the truth, the truth that God has revealed. And so there are those who even went so far as to say, Traditional apologetics, they're the cause of disunity among Christians. Or maybe even the principles that Christ himself set down. For instance, that there's one church that Jesus Christ founded, and that he founded that church on the rock of Peter, and that the Pope and the bishops in union with him are going to safeguard the deposit of faith, the sacred deposit of faith that God himself set down for us to believe, and that the church will not err in matters of faith and morals. And that she will teach us the truth and she will teach us authentically what God wants for us to understand and what we need to follow. And there are those who say, well, that's the source of disunity. So we need to put that aside. Let's put this church aside even. And again, well, wait a minute. Who founded the church? You know, the Catholic church didn't just come out of a vacuum. Jesus Christ came. He founded a church. And he founded that church because he knew how easy it is for man to fall aside from the truth. So in his encyclical, Humana Generis, The Human Race, which was written in 1950, Pope Pius XII is obviously not writing about Scripture only. He's showing that the church is divinely revealed and established, and she is not subject to the changing winds of philosophical thought. Men throughout the ages desiring to free themselves from the authority of the Catholic Church and ultimately free themselves of having to follow the moral law which God has established give reasons for their not wanting to submit to what God has established, but their ideas change, and what is fashionable today will not be fashionable tomorrow or even in the near future. These ideas not only lead to dogmatic dogmatic relativism, but they actually contain it. So the idea that there are truths that we can't know, that we really don't know the truth, or that truth is changing, and, you know, like that. If it's, if it's all evolution and evolving, well, how do we know what's true? How do we know what's solid? How do we know what's fixed? Um, and this is what Pope Pius XII is, is addressing, and this is in 1950. So the truths of the faith are revealed, and they have been proved by the test of time and shown to be true throughout the lives of the saints, through the lives of the saints. And Pope Pius XII warns us not to reject the faith for those conjectural notions and formulas and unstable tenets of new philosophies. So we'll be right back. I hear that music again. We're going to take a short break. 888-526-2151 if you have a question or comment. 877-526-2151 to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And you're welcome to join me tonight at a Bible study at 7 p.m. here at Sacred Heart Chapel.
Matthew Arnold here, encouraging you to go to vmpr.org to register for our upcoming Spiritual Warfare Conference this January 11th and 12th at the Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina. Father Wolfgang will be speaking along with Jesse Romero, Terry Barber as MC, and yours truly, talking about spiritual warfare and the family. Protect your family now. Go to vmp.org and register for this conference. Don't miss it. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. We desperately need to fix the bugs so you can listen live on our app or YouTube without any glitches. Plus, meet traditional broadcast standards in order to provide our exclusive programming to Catholic radio stations around the country and around the world, absolutely free of charge. As usual, we're doing it all on a shoestring budget, but we cannot do it without you. If you like what you hear on Virgin Most Powerful, I ask you to please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. <laughs> well, good afternoon, and Mary Danielle is flying solo with her guarding angel here, and hopefully the Holy Spirit, most of all, and, and um, Terry is on his way to spread the good word about Virgin Most Powerful Radio, and we thank all of you, our listeners, and all of and for all of you spreading the word also, sending out your emails and your Facebook and telling people about us and letting people know. And if you can pass out cards, we have cards, and um, the app is up. Download the, the new app. If you have the old Terry and Jesse Show app, you need to delete that one and then go on Virgin Most Powerful and download your new app. And we're talking here today about Humani Generis, the 1950 encyclical letter of Pope Pius XII that he wrote in response to a lot of ideas that were floating about in the secular world, but were also beginning to creep into the church. And, and again, I want to point out, this was written before the Second Vatican Council, and I know many people like to say, well, the Vatican Council caused all the problems in the church. Well, you know what's interesting? Sometimes you have a, um, a family that looks really good on the outside, but it's rotting from within, because there's lots of problems inside. And I think essentially what we had going on before Vatican II within the Catholic Church, at least in the West, was there was a lot of rot going on inside. A lot of people who adhered to the Catholic Church externally in an external way, but they weren't letting the truths of the faith sink into their hearts and change their lives. And so the Lord said, it's time. We need to 
remove the facade and expose the rot that's going on underneath. Go back and read the encyclicals that the Holy Fathers wrote from the late 1800s into the 1900s, uh, you know, on the 18th century, um, excuse me, 19th century into the 20th century, and read the things they were writing, the things that they were telling us. There were a lot of problems, and, and just one example of some of the problems, in 1917, our Blessed Mother appeared at Fatima. She asked people to pray the rosary daily for world peace. She asked people to give up their sins, stop offending God who's already too offended, pray for the conversion of Russia and the conversion of sinners, to make the five first Saturdays in honor of Our Lady, um, the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary, which, by the way, if God creates a beautiful work and you denigrate that work, you're sinning against God. So that was the whole point of it. Stop sinning against God, stop offending him. And she said, if my wishes are met, there will be peace. Well, that was 1917. There was another war, World War, in 1939. And we all know the history of World War II. And that war wasn't averted. So apparently, the message of Our Lady wasn't listened to. So let's wake up now before there's another war to end all wars, which Our Lady had predicted also. If we don't listen to her message, we want to listen to that message now. We want to pray. We want to pray for our own conversion, the conversion of sinners, us. You know, if God went out and destroyed all the bad guys, there may not be anybody left. I mean, I, I know I'd be among bad guys, guys. So it's like Bishop Sheen said to the prisoners, you know, gentlemen, there's only one difference between you and I. <clears throat> Excuse me. You got caught. I didn't. <laughs> So, you know, all of our sins are offensive to God. So we need to give up our sins. So the Holy Father goes on and he warns us that any one of us can be led astray from the truth. None of us is immune from being led astray from the truth. And he brings up scholastic theology, which the modern mind wanted to reject, especially the secular world. But even within the church, there were many who wanted to reject the scholastic theology. Why? Because of its clear thinking, its reasonableness. And the modern mind didn't want that clear thinking, that reasonableness. They wanted to believe that, well, we can't really know the truth, so let's just all make up our own truth. You've heard that, you know, what is your, what's, that's your truth, not my truth, or the better one, you know. Well, how do you feel about it? We're not asked anymore how we think. We're asked, how do you feel? So what happened to our ability to think? Do we believe in our ability to think anymore? The church certainly does, and she always has. And St. Thomas Aquinas is held up for us as that, that person who thought most clearly, and we need to follow his way of thought. And the modern definition of reasonable denies the origins of man. It denies that he was made by God, and it also denied the purpose for his existence. So it denied where he came from and where he's going, because he came from God, and he's going back to God. We were made for union with God, even now on this earth. And St. Augustine once said, the greatest romance is to fall in love with God. The greatest human adventure is to search for God, and the greatest human achievement is to find God. This is our purpose on earth, to fall in love with God, to search for him, and to find him. And what's interesting about that, there was another father of the church who wrote that, that finding God and searching for him are not actually two separate things, that our search for God and our finding him are really the same thing. That if we're searching for God, we do find him by the very fact that we're searching and in that search are never satisfied. And there's that certain truth that 
The more we know of God, the thirstier we become for him, the more we want to know, the closer we want to be to him. And so there's this constant, and it's, it's, not a, it's not a despairing thing. It's a exciting, brings life into our life, makes us feel, wow, this is just everything I ever wanted. Here, here it is. I've, it's God. God is the one I'm searching for. God is the answer to all of my questions in life. And so we search for God and we find him and then in finding him, we want to know more. And in knowing more, we, we want to search for him more. And then we want to find more. And there's this constant growing in union with God. So that there's this constant thirst that grows. And yet it's not a thirst where it's killing me. It's, it's, it's a thirst. There's an excitement. There's a joy. And, and all of a sudden, all of the trials and disappointments of this life come into a focus that, you know, I can, I can, endure, as St. Paul said, I can endure all the sufferings of this world because God is my ultimate goal. It's God I'm searching for. It's God that I want. And so the Holy Father wants us to understand that, yeah, this is what we're searching for, this union with God. This is what we were made for. And this is why God revealed himself. This is why he gives us divine revelation, because even though we could know of the personal God and his love for us without faith, we can know it from just the light of our human reason. Nonetheless, we can't know the full truths of God. And there's also the reality of concupiscence, which is the effect of original sin, that it's easier for us to do evil than it is for us to do, to do good. It's easier for us to choose the limited goods of this world and replace them with the ultimate good who is God, for whom we were made. So the Holy Father wants us to understand and Hold firmly to the truth that Jesus Christ established his church, his one church, which is the pillar and foundation of truth, as St. Paul wrote to Timothy. And the gates of hell will not prevail against that church, despite all appearances. So in every age, it seems like, you know, oh gosh, this particular crisis is going to destroy the church. Remember, the church was, you know, founded first in Jerusalem, and then there was the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD, and yet the Christians had been warm, warned before the fall of Jerusalem that when you see certain things happening, you need to leave Jerusalem because it will be destroyed. And so the church left. The, the Christians left Jerusalem before the fall of Jerusalem. And then the church, Peter was martyred at Rome, and the church was the head of the, the, the foundation of the church was founded in Rome because that's where Peter was martyred and buried. And when the Roman Empire fell, of course, the church, if it had arisen out of the Roman Empire, would have fallen with it, right? But somehow the church survived that. And every successive generation of, you know, new political systems, new economic systems, all the things of this world that come and go in the ebb and flow of thoughts and ideas and truths and untruths and, and partial truths and errors that lead men astray, the church has weathered all these storms throughout history. Why? Because she's divinely instituted, divinely instituted. So we need to know, and, and the church does teach us. She is a, a mother who teaches. The teaching office of the church, the Holy Father and the, the bishops in union with him, we need to look to that official teaching of the church, the councils, the encyclicals of the Holy Fathers in particular. So go back and read those encyclicals. If you want to know the proper way to read and interpret scripture, we got some great encyclicals here, right, that were written that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks. And we need to look at those and say, how is it that the church, the teaching office of the church, teaches us? Because remember, it's not just scripture that is divine revelation. 
Sacred tradition is also divine revelation. Jesus Christ gave us the seven sacraments. He gave us tradition. St. Paul tells us, hold fast to the truths that I have handed on to you, whether by word of mouth or in writing. St. John tells us, if everything that Jesus said and did was written down, I'm sure the world could not contain the books. Jesus taught us so much in his public life. And then in addition to that, remember after his resurrection, he spent 40 days with his apostles, opening up the scriptures to him, showing them in in a new light through his resurrected, glorified body, truths that they hadn't understood before his death. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to remind them of everything that he had taught them. So there's so much in sacred tradition with a capital T, you know, tradition with a capital T, that, and it's part of divine revelation. Divine revelation isn't just the scriptures. There's also this beautiful deposit of sacred tradition. And sacred scripture and sacred tradition make up a single deposit of faith that was entrusted to the church to correctly interpret and teach. So she was to safeguard this sacred deposit. And so, you know, what was true yesterday doesn't cease to be true today. And you can't come up with a new truth that contradicts the truths of the past. And so the idea that, well, that may be true for you, but it's not true for me. You're talking about human, human experience or emotional response to life. You're not talking about truth as in the truth that God himself has revealed or the truth that God has built into the world that he created. Remember, the whole universe was created by God. God is the author of the universe. Do you think he knows the universe he created? Eh, maybe not. Uh, you know, maybe he's, you know, away on a vacation or sleeping or, oh, he forgot about us for a minute, you know? But, well, you know, if he forgot about us for a minute, I, we wouldn't we wouldn't be. We would cease to exist. So I don't think that happened. So Pope Pius also in this, when he's talking about the teaching office of the church, he made an interesting comment. He talked about encyclical letters. And, you know, when Humanae Vitae was published, there were those theologians who said, well, it's an encyclical letter. Obviously, it's not, it's not, you know, we don't have to accept it as um, part of the, we'll have to talk about this after the break. I see that clock again. My goodness, this time just goes too fast. If you have a question or comment, you can call us at 888-526-2151. Call us at 877-526-2151 to make a donation. Please pray for Terry on his little journey to try and spread the word about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Please, you also, our listeners, spread the word. And join us tonight at Bible Study at 7 p.m. Terry Barber, I want to invite you to the Spiritual Warfare Conference coming January 11th and 12th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. It's going to be fantastic. I want to encourage you to sign up by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. One of the speakers is sitting right next to me, Matthew Arnold. Matt, what are you going to be telling our folks about? I'm going to tell them about my journey into the Catholic Church because in my younger days, I was in the entertainment business. I was all involved with cult beliefs and practices like tarot cards and astrology and even channeling. And I had my own brush with the demonic. Wow. Not only Matt... But Father Wolfgang from the Opus Angelorum, popular priest, he's welcome back. And our friend Jesse Romero, my partner on the Terry and Jesse Show, will be there. 
Don't miss it. Go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call us at 877-526-2151. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. As usual, we're doing it all on a shoestring budget, but we cannot do it without you. If you like what you hear on Virgin Most Powerful, I ask you to please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back, and this is Mary Danielle flying solo here today with her guarding angel, and Terry's out trying to spread the good word about Virgin Most Powerful Radio, and thank you for all our listeners for spreading the good word and letting your friends and family and everybody in your neighborhood know. And we're talking here about Humani Generis, the encyclical letter of Pope Pius Twelfth. And what he's trying to do here is restore, number one, our faith in the church as an authentic teaching authority that God has established, restore our faith in the scriptures, but that the scriptures don't stand on their own. They need the teaching authority of the church. Restore our faith in human reason and its ability to know the truth. We can know truth. It's not about, oh, well, you know, I can't really know a truth and it's kind of vague. And I, No, we can know the truth. And it's interesting because I mentioned the encyclical letter, Humani Vitae, and when that was published, there were those theologians who said, well, that's an encyclical letter. We don't really have to give it our consent. And go back and read Humani Generis, because in paragraph 20, Pope Pius XII said, no, that's not true. You see, what's contained in encyclical letters are the teachings of the church. So they do demand our consent. So again, go back and read. Read these encyclicals. I can't read this whole encyclical to you today. I can't even cover the whole thing. That's I invite you to join me tonight at Bible study at 7 p.m. here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. If you want to get more in depth in Humana Generis, I will definitely go more in depth into in tonight because I have about an hour and 45 minutes. But go back and read um, the principles laid down by Pope Leo the Thirteenth and Providentissimus Deus and, Pro- and Pope Benedict XV in Spiritus Paracletus, and also in Pius XII in Divino Flante Spiritus about how you should read and understand the sacred scriptures. But also, um, read Humani Generis. Get the encyclical and read it. And no true, no also, you know, there were many people who said the Second Vatican Council was very vague in its teaching. Well, read the documents. But in addition to reading the documents, Pope Pius XII gave us a rule of thumb here. He said, 
You don't take what is less clear and use it as the mode of interpretation for what is more clear. He, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, when something is clearly taught, then take that teaching and use it to interpret what is less clear. So again, when the church teaches clearly, a future pope, a future council cannot negate what the past has taught as truth. A future truth can't say, oh, well, you know, what was true in the past is no longer. No, the truth remains the same always and forever and ever because Jesus Christ is the truth and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So there are lots of errors in modern philosophy, you know, that the error that we cannot know the personal God without revelation, that, um, that the world had a beginning, you know, modern people, well, the world just kind of existed. It just kind of came into being out of chaos or that creation of the world was absolutely necessary, that God had to create the world. No, God didn't have to create the world. Or that, you know, that, that some people deny that God has internal, eternal, eternal and infallible foreknowledge of the free actions of men. They say, well, if that's true, then our actions are free. No, that's not true. God stands outside of time. He created us so he can see, he can foresee what we're going to do, but he leaves us the freedom to choose whether or not we're going to choose good or evil. And he gives us the grace. And again, remember in the beginning of the encyclical, the Holy Father said we have the Unfortunately, we have the, the power to resist grace. So we ask for the grace not to. And he goes on to enumerate the errors of our time. And he you know, laments the fact that even sons of the church are beginning to be deceived by these errors and then teaching them and passing them on as if they were somehow truth. And he points out the church has a very high regard for human reason. And the reason it does is because God made human reason. God made human reason so that man can think, he can know the truth, who is first and foremost, God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And God doesn't change from age to age. The truths are there. And so we need to follow the methods and the teachings of St. Thomas Aquinas because his method and his teaching is so in harmony with divine revelation. So go back and you know look at some of Thomas's teachings. He's very solid. And again... Even the Summa Theologica is not that difficult to read if you read it correctly. Thomas gives you an argument, and then he gives objections. Those objections are not his argument. You have to go to the part that says, I answer that. That's Thomas's argument. So we can know the truth about God, and we can know the truths about ethics, that is the moral life. How is it that we are supposed to live in this passing world with our hearts fixed, on the world that is to come, because that's our true home. We're living in exile, people, but it's okay. God's with us. He's walking with us, and he's given us an angel, a beautiful friend and brother at our side to walk beside us, to give us light, to help us to know the truth. God hasn't abandoned us. And in regards, there's one thing that came up in Humanogenaries, which maybe some of you have heard of it because of this, the idea of evolution and that well, you see, man just kind of evolved out of the chaos of the earth. And so there were lots of men running around at the beginning. And it wasn't just one man and one woman. It wasn't just Adam and Eve. That's called polygenerism. Polygenerism, I believe. Generism. Anyway, it means that it, many were generated at one time. And the, the church firmly teaches and holds that all mankind had to be generated by one man and one woman God created one man and one woman in the beginning. He, he gave them immortal souls, and he infused those immortal souls with grace. 
and they turned away from God and rejected the grace God had given, they sinned, the original sin. And because of that teaching, we know that all of the human race had to come from Adam and Eve. There was one Adam, there was one Eve, and the entire human race descended from one man and one woman. And because of the doctrine of original sin, that's why the church believes this. And original sin is passed on by generation. You see, when Adam and Eve were created, God gave them grace. He created them in grace. Grace was that gift. It was a gift from God. And with that gift, he gave them certain gifts that were above and beyond their nature. When they sinned, they rejected the grace of God. Now, we human beings can't give each other grace because grace is a gift from God. It's his own life within us, and only God can give us his own life. Or it's the helps that he gives us. He gives us day by day to do our duty and to live in union with him. Only he can give that grace. You see, we can pray for it, but we can't give it to others. And so when we generate our children through marriage, we co-create with God, and God generates new human beings through the marital act. We can't give our children grace in that act. We can only give them natural life. But our life isn't just natural life. We're not looking for an eternal paradise here on earth. We're not looking for an earthly homeland. We're looking for union with God in heaven. And so we need God's grace. And so the Holy Father teaches clearly in Humani Generis that, you know, the, the current, um, a current idea that was out there and is still out there is that Genesis 1 through 11 is just a myth and we don't really have to believe it. Well, he said, no, it's historical not in the way necessarily the 20th century man understands history or even the way the ancient Greeks and the ancient Romans understood history, but in the way of the simple people of the Hebrews, it is true history. And yes, they, they may have drawn from some of the pagan writers around them and some of the myths of the pagan peoples, but when the sacred writer wrote, he was working under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so what he committed to writing God gave him the grace to discern God's truth that existed or that had been gleaned by the pagan writers so that they picked, they, what they picked and chose from the pagan writers was what God inspired them to pick and choose. So that it's God who's acting primarily. He's the primary author of scripture. And yes, he used the scripture authors as real authors. So they use their mode of expression. They don't use the 20th century mode of expression or even second century BC or, you know, first century AD mode. Of it. They use their mode of expression. But what they're telling us is what God intended and not something else. So the truths of God can be known by the light of our human reason. Yes, we can know that God revealed things and we can trust that revelation. We can know truth. And the truth doesn't change from age to age. It doesn't just evolve and morph. You know, I, I remember once I this program on, and they said, you see, we have found the missing link in the chain of evolution. It's the polywog. And I'm like, wait a minute, the polywog? Since when in the history of the world do we ever know of a polywog that ever became anything besides a frog? They were saying because a polywog is a little polywog and then grows to be a frog, uh... That was the missing link in the chain of evolution. Well, that all that proves is that, you know, any any creature when it's conceived or when it begins to grow, we couldn't imagine what the adult looks like if we didn't already know the adult. It's like the acorn and the oak tree, right? If you look at an acorn, how are you going to know an oak tree is going to come from that acorn unless you'd already seen an oak tree in full bloom? 
So the idea that the polywog was the missing link in the chain of evolution, well, if that's the case, then which I think your whole chain just collapsed. So again, evolution was just, it's a theory. It's a scientific theory. It's never been proven. And um, I remember a book years ago, uh, Ignatius Press published, and, and um, they said that, uh, you know, they called it, a, evolution was called a myth for adults. It's a fairy tale. So we want to be subject to God. We want to subject our intellects and will to God because God made us for himself. And we want to be able to have that humble submission before him, the submission of our intellect and will, and to know that everything that we have, everything that is good came from God. Everything that is beautiful and true came from God. God is the origin of beauty and truth and goodness. He is beauty and truth and goodness. And all created things come from God as a way to lead us to him. All of creation speaks to us of God. As St. Thomas Aquinas said, God writes the world the way men write books. So in the world, we can see the goodness and beauty and truth of God and that he doesn't change, that God is God. We are not. We can submit ourselves to him. We can rely on the intellect he gave us. We can believe in the church that he established. We can believe the authority of the teaching church. Truth remains the same throughout all ages. It doesn't change just because philosophical, political, economic ideas change. And so we want to pray for our world. We want to pray for ourselves. We want to pray that we return to God. Make God our reason for being and make God the goal of our life and acknowledge that he is the source of our life. We want to thank you so much for tuning in today and for listening to the Bible with the Barbers. Terry should be back with me next week. Anyone who wants to hear more on Humana Generis, go in more depth, join us tonight at the Bible study at 7 p.m. at Sacred Heart Chapel. Again, you can give a donation to um, Virgin Most Powerful Radio by calling 877-526-2151. If you want to get cards to pass out to let your friends and neighbors and relatives know about the, the radio, please, let, please call us at 877-526-2151. And keep us in prayer as we keep you in prayer and pray for our election today. Everybody get out there and vote. Pray for our world and pray for our nation to return to God. We are one nation under God. Let's return to being one nation under God. Thank you so much. You have a voice in your head. How did he know that the voice just said? Because we all do. <laughs> and the words you speak to yourself matter a lot. Our words shape our self-perception. Our self-perception shapes our actions. Our actions shape our lives. Words are at the foundation of our whole lives. What words do you speak to yourself? The book of Revelations calls the devil the accuser of our brothers. He wants us to amplify the negative words in our heads. God reveals the truth about who we are. But he didn't do that so you wait for me to preach it to you. Preach it to yourself. When the voice within starts saying, I'm weak, used, washed up, not pretty enough, skinny enough, smart enough, I'll never be enough. Replace that with words like, I'm blessed, I'm chosen, I'm beautiful. I am a son or daughter of the King of Heaven. I don't mean that figuratively, I mean it literally. Look in the mirror and preach the truth to yourself. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.